Tim Blankenship, Divorce661.com. We are back with Day in the Life of an LDA. Divorce 661 Daily Perspective, episode 42. Make our introductions quick here. I do these videos so you know who I am, what I do, type of clients that we handle, issues that our clients are having, and I kind of just do it live and off the cuff. I do have some notes, but we're going to talk about some rejected judgment issues, some issues clients are having trying to get their own divorces finalized and why they called us for help. Uh, you guys are making liars out of me. Uh, the other day I mentioned how January is not divorce month. Everyone, the news always reports every year how January is divorce month. It's the busiest time of year. And I said, that is not true. We have way busier months than January every year. I've been doing this 12 years. So I have pretty good stats on that. But you guys are making liars out of me because today we had four new clients uh, starting from scratch and two new clients that started with us that had started their own divorce paperwork and asked us to take over. So six brand new clients in one day, not a record. I think the most I had in one day was 10. Um, but this is to, this is turning out to be quite a busy week. I'm going to talk about these new cases. We talk about these judgment issues and, and issues people are having. So maybe if you're doing your own divorce, like the gentleman today who scheduled a consultation and called them and instead of me taking over his case, he only had two or three things little check boxes on a couple of forms we went over over the phone and and he was happy and we just helped him out for free, which I said, I don't normally do that, but uh, it was so minimal. It wasn't worth me taking on his case because we do have a minimum fee amount because um, if I'm going to touch your case, I need to review everything. I can't just say, hey, uh, you know, there's a couple things wrong and fix two forms. And, you know, I can't do that because I don't I need to review your summons, petition, proof of service, all the documents leading up to that, because I need to know my lips are a little dry. I need to review everything prior to that because those documents can cause your judgment to reject as well. So like this gentleman, if his judgment gets rejected again, even though I helped him on the phone, I didn't know if his petition's correct. I don't know if his prior documents, I don't know what's in his settlement agreement or if he, you know, listed the account numbers properly. And you know, if he did that part, right, I helped him with some questions he had on the forms. Those I know will be fine. But everything else, I can't account for that. And so if it gets rejected, that's not on me because I didn't review all of his paperwork like I do people that hire me from the get-go. Okay, so like I said, <clears throat> uh, six new cases today, four from scratch, two taking over cases for clients who were unable to finalize their divorce on their own. Six approved divorce cases we got back from the court. Um, L.A. County for clients in Pasadena. Two are in Pasadena, actually. Two in Pomona. Um, a Whittier case, Whittier uh, courts. It's interesting. You know, you'd think that these smaller branch courts like Pomona, uh, Whittier, Compton, Lancaster, Chatsworth would be faster in approving documents faster than, say, Central downtown because Central has the bulk of the divorce cases. In fact, we already hit case 520 today with L.A. County, just Central alone. That doesn't count the other seven-ish uh, branch courts out there for uh, those cases. So quite a few divorce cases, but um, the central court, in my opinion, is the fastest. That's why I file all my cases. If you live in LA County, I don't care if you're in Long Beach or you're in Lancaster or you are in Pomona or you are in Woodland Hills, North, South, East, West. I'm filing you downtown because I worked there before in the past. They know me, but that's not why they are just faster we get same day filings. All of these four cases that I filed today, the new cases I filed are all, I already have filed cases. We got them in about 20 minutes of filing. Amazing. 
that used to take a week or two. <clears throat> Excuse me. Other courts still take, you know, Sacramento. I mailed a, a case into court to file two weeks ago. We still haven't got that back yet. So if you're in LA County, you just don't know how good you have it. So anyways, six new cases, four were new from scratch, two were judgment rejects, six approved divorce cases um, in the counties that I talked about. Um, the majority of judgment reject cases I take on are completed in just days and approved by the court shortly thereafter. So um, of the cases that we submitted, I don't think we got to that point yet, but we had um, several cases that over the weeks, so today's Thursday. So we've taken probably four or five other judgment reject cases. When I say judgment reject, I'm talking about people that try to turn in, finalize their divorce and it was rejected. They calls for help. And it doesn't necessarily mean it was rejected. Maybe they did their petition and filed and served and now they're stuck the, and they want us to take over. I, I classify that all as the same thing. We're basically taking over their case. So it may have been rejected, which many times is the case, or they just didn't get to that point and they called us for help and had us take over. But um, that is a good 50% of our business where we take over cases. So if you find yourself in that scenario where you want us to take over, it's not a problem as long as you're amicable, amicable, cooperative, all that good stuff I can take over and finalize. And we handle them just a couple of days. So all of the people that hired me this week to finalize their divorce, they had already filed and served. They're already done. We've already um, completed their paperwork, had them notarized, e-filed them with the court. Um, I want to say we had like half a dozen of those as well this week. There, I want to say all but one has been approved by the court. We have one more outstanding. Um, some were approved same day, some were next day, and some were going to be two or three days. Like I said, Whittier um, was running uh, five court days, uh, which isn't too bad, but uh, th those all got approved. And so we've had a lot of clients get their divorce cases completed. And we're talking about cases from 2020, 2021, 2022, and 2023 that they just never got around to uh, finalizing them. So we can definitely take care of those. I'm going to talk some specifics about some of these clients and their cases, just so you can see that your case probably isn't much different than a lot of these folks. Like I said, Central already filed case number 520. We got We pulled that case number today. 24 STFL 000520. So that's how I know I keep track of how many cases there were. I want to say last year there was 14,000 cases handled by Central alone. So quite a few cases. New rejected judgment cases. So we had uh, several Pomona cases I was talking about. It's funny how things come in groupings for some reason. Um, but uh, we had this Pomona judgment. They use that guidance file service where you can go online if you go to the la county website most other counties have this as well you can go on and and you can file pretty easily online it's called guide and file i don't recommend you do it um, this case was a guide and file served and it was in two, a 2023 case where they got stuck and they were way past the 30 days so they had filed served and i want to say this was back in october of 2023 and we're now in january so a couple of months have gone by since they've been served and uh, they hired me. This is the one of the Pomona cases already finalized, did their judgment. They signed it, notarized it, e-filed it. And that's the only one that's left outstanding for approval. And the question they had was, you know, the 30 days have already passed. Is it too late to turn in a settlement agreement? And the answer is no. Even if the requesting or default has been filed, it's never too late to do a default with written agreement. I've told you many times there's three types of divorce cases. There is uncontested where a response is filed and you're still submitting a settlement agreement. There's default with agreement where there's no response filed, but you're turning in a settlement agreement and there's default with no agreement, no response filed, and there's no agreement. And in all the cases where people have problems, every time it's because they're trying to do a default without an agreement because they think it's simpler 
to get those through. They don't want to involve their spouse. They don't want to bother them. They think it'll be simple and it's not. All I have to do is take over and tell them, hey, will your spouse sign off? Yes, they will. They don't need to respond. They don't need to pay the court fee and we can get those through the court. No problem. And and we take, we've took care of all of these uh, this week. Um, so this had been a default case that had already been, the default had already been, one had already been entered, one had not, it, but it doesn't matter. Even if you've already filed the request in your default, you can still turn in a written agreement on a default with written agreement case. When I do your judgment from scratch, or if you haven't turned in the request in your default, I turn that in with the default settlement agreement. So the court knows, okay, so it's a default, but it's a default with agreement type case. And they'll know that because of the type of paperwork that you turn in. Four new quadros this week. That's Qualified Domestic Relation Order, or QDRO. So like I said, super busy week. Six new cases, four were brand new, two were judgment rejects, six cases approved, four quadros. And the reason, and I'm going to talk about the quadros. I think I have a note to talk about that later, and I will. If you're dividing a pension, it needs to be done by quadro. We try to avoid doing them if possible because they're time-consuming and costly, but sometimes we have to do them if, like, one spouse has all of the 401Ks or pensions and um, the other spouse needs their community property share. You know, if we can if we can offset that one way, maybe equity in the home or um, like a buyout or something like that, and one party can keep their pensions, um, that's fine. But if not, otherwise we have to do the quadro process. And in, in one particular case, we have clients where we have to do three. I'm going to talk about that later. All right, let's get into some of the issues our clients had. I have eight topics I want to talk about. Number one, Rejected judgment issues. Had a 2022 case filed, served. There's errors on the proof of service. They refiled a response unnecessarily, and they were unable to do their judgment and get that approved by the court. And there had been no activity on the case since December 2022. I think these older cases that we take, people get frustrated and they just stop filing documents. They file, they file the initial summons petition. That seems to go well. They do the proof of service. That seems to go well. Keep in mind, the court hasn't reviewed anything. So many times when I take over a case, I'll have to start from scratch. We'll have to amend everything. The proof of service is wrong. People forget to put the phone numbers of the server. They forget to date it, the date they were served. I mean, there's so many ways you can make uh, have issues and make errors on your paperwork. And you'll file it with the court, and the court will say, oh, they'll, they'll accept it. They'll stamp it. And uh, you'll think you're good to go. But when I go to review it, I'll, I'll see the errors and I have to correct all that. But uh, yeah, 2022 case. Uh, and uh, so it's, it was over two years old um, and just zero activity for a year because they just got frustrated. I finished that in one day. They called me up, said, can you take over? I said, are you amicable? They said, yes. I said, then I can take care of it. Reviewed their initial paperwork. That all was fine, except for the proof of service area. We Proof of service error. We were able to fix that. Um, many times if it's a filed document and like years have gone by and you don't know, you know, the server is not available or it was a friend you don't want to bother again. I can just PDF edit that document, remove the file stamp off of there and correct it and refile the same exact form. I don't need you to go and sign new documents. There are some workarounds to make this simpler. And that's always my goal to make things as simple as possible for you. But yeah, that case was complete, um, totally done. And uh, they've been lingering for, you know, two years. And we got it taken care of in two days. Number two, rejected another rejected judgment issue. I told you we had a couple of that, a couple of these this week. Another 2022 divorce case stuck on the judgment. Two kids, they wanted no child support and no spouse support, and they had a long-term marriage. 
So you think you have an easy divorce because you agree. And you, you think that that would be the case. Hey, we agree. We have an easy divorce. And I agree with you. It should be easy. The, that doesn't make the paperwork any less complicated, especially where when you say, oh, we don't want child support, we don't want spouse support, and we have a long-term marriage. Those are two things that the court just simply won't allow. But I can get that done for you. Not saying I'm special or I'm fancy. I'm just saying you're not going to get that done because there's a certain way it has to be done for the court to allow it. You can't write zero uh, child support. Your judgment's going to get rejected all day long. You cannot put that in the settlement agreement. You can't terminate spousal support on a marriage of longer than 10 years unless you have the required mandatory uh, waiver language included in there, and you're just not going to know what that is. Not because you're dumb, not because you don't know what you're doing, Well, maybe a little bit about do you not know what you're doing, but there's just uh, policies in place that, uh, and in certain ways things have to be done in order to get what you want. So I tell my clients, don't worry, don't worry about what the courts are going to say. I know your judgment's been rejected or you're concerned about what they're going to say. Tell me what you want. I will package it up um, and in a way that will be acceptable to the court, no matter what it is you want. No child support, fine. No spouse support, fine. Basic joint legal and physical custody parenting plan with non-specific um, um, custody, fine. I know how to package it up. I've worked for the courts years ago. I have done this for 12 years, thousands of cases um, over the years, and I just have the reps, right, like push-ups. I have the reps in to know in each court in California what it takes to get it done. So don't worry about what the court's going to say. As long as you sign the settlement agreement and you guys are cooperative, I can get your case finalized. Number three, spousal support language. I put in here, you don't need a DISO master. Okay. Well, I put spouse support in judgment. You don't need a DISO master. So I saw that people trying to do their own divorce had submitted a DISO master. That's the, the calculation to in, that determines the amount of spouse support. When it comes to spouse support, and it calculates both spousal and child support, but when it comes to spouse support, you don't need to include the DISO master calculation for that. If you have child support, then yes excuse me, you need to include the DISO master because the court wants to see what is the guideline amount? What is the state recommended amount? And is the amount you are using for child support um, higher, lower, or the same as what the court suggests? And if it's the same, that's fine. If not, you have to go through the non-guideline process. It's still possible. Even if you want zero child support, which again, I told you can't do zero, you can do reserved, which means none now, maybe some later. So just tell says that the court still has the option of ordering child support if one of you requested. But you don't need the DISO master on the spouse support because there's no minimum uh, barrier or minimum amount you're trying to match up with when it comes to spouse support like you do with child support. <clears throat> Number four, guide and file. You can file, but that's it. It makes you file the 160s and the 150s when they're not necessary. So I want to say uh, they came out with this guide and file probably a year ago. Basically, if you go online and go to the court's website, it'll say file from home or something like that. And uh, you'll go in, you'll fill out some questions. It's kind of like uh, like a legal Zoom or one of these hundred other types of online companies where you answer a question and it fills out the form for you. So the forms are only as good as the answers you give type of thing. But then it allows you to e-file directly with the court. So that seems nice. And you can get that part done and that part simple. But the downsides are this it makes you file property declarations, the FL-160s. 
And what I don't like about these property declarations is it's way too much information to make public record for the court. I can't tell you how many people that call me and say they watch these videos and say, Tim, I almost filed on my own. And, you know, the guidance file is going to make me file these 160s. And we have to like list all our assets and debts, account numbers, uh, values, vehicle information, you know, your make model lights plate, like everything, <clears throat> every asset and debt you have, credit cards, credit card numbers, how much you owe in debt, <clears throat> all of that gets filed with the court and that becomes public record. Any person who knows you filed for divorce can go to that county and order copies and say, oh, they have, you know, $500,000 in a 401k and no, oh, I guess it's with Fidelity. Here's the account number. <clears throat> it's just not worth doing. I know you're trying to save some money and do your own paperwork, um, but, but all of that is public record. I hate that. Uh, clients, I talk about this so much. The clients say, Tim, we want to file, but we almost did the guidance file. We almost did it on our own. They're trying to make us file the property declarations and they're just not necessary. When that information, two, two problems. One, it becomes public information. Two, now you've made the court aware of it. So let's say these people that we handle these divorce cases from 2020, 2021, 22, et cetera, they file these property declarations with credit cards and bank accounts and vehicles and house and so forth. Now, three, four, five years later, we're finalizing their divorce and these things don't exist. Well, they'll say, well, we don't have those assets or debts anymore, so we're not going to address them. No. We still have to address them because you've told the court you have them. Yes, I'm sure they are aware. Well, did five years go by? It may not exist, but you still have to tell the court what you did with it. So every time I take on a, a case where people started their own divorce and filed these property declarations, I have to now go in and make sure that we address them. When I say address them, I mean, say, petitioner's keeping, respondent's keeping, or this asset or debt no longer exists and how it was disposed, it was sold. And what where'd the money go? Who kept it? At the end of the day, what I'll do is say, say you had a car that no longer exists because you sold it. I'll say XYZ vehicle went to petitioner because you kept the money from the sale. You have to address it. If you don't, even when it's a default with agreement, they're going to compare your settlement agreement to your um, 160s that you filed with your petition and say, well, there's four assets here that you didn't list. We need to know what happened to them. So it can cause a lot of problems. Same with the income and expense declaration, the FL150. The guidance file system forces you to file the, the income and expense declaration. They're not required anymore by the courts. Even now, mostly, I would say 99% of the time, they're not required. Some courts are requiring them on default cases when there's child support being requested. But um, we're not we're not turning them in unless the court's requesting them, and, and most of the time, they're not. So that's just more public information you're making available to someone to come log in and and for 50 cents a page, order copies of your income expense. Now they know your name, address, your phone number, how much you make, where you work, the employer's address, how much your mortgage is or rent is, how much your utility. I mean, it's just crazy. I would hate, I don't want people knowing what my mortgage is and all that. Technically, that information is public record. Why are you filing these income expense declarations? So you don't want to hire me, or maybe you don't know I exist. You don't want to hire an attorney, which I totally get. Let's say you're amicable. I will protect your information, protect your identity, protect your information. But once you've put it out there, you've already done damage. I'm just telling you. It's better to start with us from scratch. We'll clean it up in the end if we have to, and we will. And uh, and I get that you don't know, not everyone, as many, 3,300 videos I've done, 12 years in doing this. I know I can't reach everyone. I try. Number five, if you want no child support, reserved is no longer considered a non-guideline order. So you no longer need that form. Only when an amount of support is paid different than the calculation, 
do you need a non-guideline order? So if you've been following my videos, I'm just going to assume you haven't. But what happened in the past is every child support order had to have a DISO master calculator. We had to run your run your incomes, show what child support should be, and then say we want it to be non-guideline. I mean, so the, the, the calculation mean is the guideline amount. So let's say child support comes out to $500. We had to run that, show the court that it was $500, then say parties agree to non-guideline and the non-guideline amount they agree to is zero. So we had to have this other non-guideline form and the DISO master calculation and then request zero. Now, about it's probably been about a year now. I've been talking about this a lot. In fact, it's funny when I see um, people that follow my videos, I have a, several tutorials on how to do your own divorce. And I'm sure people get them approved. I know people go all the way through and say, hey, Tim, thanks for the videos. Some people get stuck because they have some nuances in their divorce that you know I don't cover every nuance. And so there's going to be something that causes it to reject. But uh, they'll end up hiring me because, of course, they trust me. I just they watched my videos for, you know, six months trying to do their own divorce. But um, there's always some nuance that's going to cause some issue potentially. So I'd be happy to take over case. But now we no longer need that non-guideline. If you want there, there to be no child support, the new way is we're saying reserved. You don't need a disemaster or a child support calculation. You don't need your income expense declaration and you don't need the non-guideline order, you just need to write reserved on the child support order 342, and that's it. So they've made it much simpler. Things have changed. That's why you need to work with me, because I know what's going on, because things are always changing. Number six, changing your address. You can't just start using a different address on your paperwork. So we had uh, one of the um, judgments we take, one of the cases we took over, they had filed previously, they said, Tim, I, I filed for divorce in 2020, and um, and then I amended my petition in 2021, and I used a new address on my petition, but they just kept mailing everything to the old address. And the reason is because you didn't file the change of address form until you do that. They're just you got to change you got to change your address officially with the court. Most of the people that hire me for their older cases, 2020, 21, 20, doesn't matter if they've moved, and most of them have. They'll say, Tim, we need to update our address. And I'll say, well, if you're in LA County, no, we don't. Here's why. First of all, it's just more paperwork for me to complete unnecessarily. Second of all, the reason I don't need to update your address, because once I take over, I e-file everything with LA County. Now, if you're in another county in California that doesn't have e-file, then yeah, I'm going to update your address because I want to make sure the court has the proper address. So when they approve your judgment, they mail you the documents to your current address. But for LA County, I'm not going to go to the trouble and time of, of updating your address with the court because once I take over, I'm e-filing with the court and they're going to email me back the approvals. Nothing will, once you hire me, nothing goes back to your original addresses or any address for that matter. It all becomes via e-file and email back to me. So I won't go to the trouble. Just know that if you hire me, and you've moved, I'm not going to update your address because I'm going to, it's just going to take more time. It's going to cause a delay with the court to change it. And usually by that point, I can already have your divorce finalized, signed, notarized, and uploaded to the court for final review. Number seven was much more about that. I guess I combined those two, so we'll skip number seven. Number eight, I talked about we did four quadros this week. Um, people paid us. It's a process. not like you hire me and the quadro's done you know, the next day. They're, they're quite the process. In fact, they can be more challenging than the divorce itself, just from time frame because there's a lot of um, a lot of hands in the pot, if you will. We have to do the joinder. 
that notifies the uh, court that there's a plan to be divided. We have to file the, you have to sign the joinder. We have to file the joinder. Then we have to serve the joinder on the plan. Then we have to get the model quadro from the plan. Then we have to draft the quadro. Then before you can sign it, we have to send it back to the plan so they can review it and make sure it meets their guidelines. Sometimes they want some changes. Sometimes they're like, it's fine. 99% of the time it's fine. Then after three or four months, because that's how long it takes them to review these things most times, we get those reviewed and uh, then we can have you sign and then we can file. And then if it needs to be notarized, um, then we have to get, um, not notarized, then if it needs to be certified, we have to request a certified copy. That can take a couple of weeks from the court. So they can take what I tell people is like expect four-ish months, uh, four to six months for processing quadros just because all the back and forth it has to go through. So we we did uh, four of them today. One was three for one client because, um, you know, we'll tell people, hey, try and find a way to reduce the amount of quadros you need. Uh, we've, we've seen settlement agreements come into us where people went through an attorney and they had each, they had six 401ks and pensions that need to be divided. And the, and the attorney wrote the settlement agreement simply to say, all these will be divided by quadro. And one of them will have like $2,000 and another one will have like $3,500, like smaller 401ks. I'm like, why are you guys dividing those? It's going to cost you more to quadro, go through the quadro process than it will just to, like you say, you keep these four and we'll offset those with these two. And now we need two. And that's usually what we'll do. And so we'll, we'll amend their settlement agreement their judgment and say, you know, we're amending the judgment to say petitioners keeping these four and we're just going to take, you know, ex extra amount from this, this one, and this one's going to be divided 50, 50, something like that. So we do a lot of that. But anyways, in this case, husband had all three pensions, wife didn't work. So we had to quadro all three pensions. There was no way to offset them. And they were all true pension systems. They weren't like 401ks where there was, uh, you know, um, this money we could move over. They all had to be done properly. So unfortunately, they needed three quadros, but we take care of them. We charge one third the cost that attorneys charge. We charge a thousand bucks for a quadro and attorneys charge three thousand dollars on average for quadros. So we do that for our clients. Um, the same the, the uh, plans provide the template. Essentially, we have to do there's a lot of steps that are involved in it. And there's going to be some nuance with your case and how much does it include, um, you know, from the data mirrors to the data separation or data separation to data distribution. There's a lot of calculations that go into it. We don't do the calculations, but we write it up so that it matches your terms. And then the, the plans will do the uh, actuarial calculations to determine what the percentages are based on how we provide that. So I hope you enjoyed episode 42 of the Divorce 661 Daily Perspective, Day in the Life of an LDA, L Day in the Life of an LDA. We will talk to you tomorrow. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you soon.